Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for episode three, the season finale of season one of Wire in the Blood. Uh, this episode is called... Oh, uh, Justice Painted Blind. Okay. Yeah, I do not, uh, I do not know all of these quotes. <laughs> I do not have a great familiarity. So unless, you know, you're doing Ozymandias, I'm not going to be able to pop all sorts of quotes the way this show does. <laughs> it's just not, it's just not going to happen. Uh, oh, but anyway, so this one starts in a really interesting way because we start, we get an image that isn't going to make any sense whatsoever until like 40 minutes into the episode. Yeah, halfway through. Yeah. Like it's, they really, they really make you wait on this one. Uh, but anyway, we start again with a murder being committed, right? A woman is shopping at a grocery store. Well, wait. We start with this 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 image of a girl standing in oh, the yes, middle you're right. of the road. But, but that's the image I was talking about that like doesn't isn't gonna make sense for. But yes, you're right. That is technically the first thing we see. We see this little girl standing in the middle of a road, and we're like, okay, well, what's what is that about? No shoes on. Mm-hmm. Like, looking have, scared and yeah. doesn't know what to do. Scared, alone, off in the middle of the road. And we have no idea what's going on. And that is our compelling first image of the episode. Yeah. Then, uh, then we get to the uh, the killer vision stalking a woman through a grocery store, and then that woman gets attacked in the parking lot, and we see that she is, uh, and then we sh see that she has been murdered and left in a, uh, a get leaning up against a tree, right on the roadside, and it's kind of an uh, interesting scene. Uh, what are you watching? The episode that we just watched? That's what happens. She gets a bag over her head. She gets strangled to death. And she gets leaned up against a tree in the road. Okay, that's, but Sorry. you're missing the whole, the whole sequence where they, where they take this guy in. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying what happens to her. But anyway, go, go do that scene. I'm going, no, I mean, the whole, the whole, it opens with the entire police force. Yeah. Running, re going and catching and going and arresting this man. Yes. Yes, it does. But I mean. That's what we see. Okay. And they show him a picture of this girl that we've seen standing in the road. This is important. It is you important. Know? You're because right. Even this part of it. But you see, a, a, you know, sort of the police, you know, their, their equivalent SWAT team mm -hmm. going and going in and arresting this man. And yeah. he is in jail they're questioning him about her taking this girl or some girl yeah and then and then we move later on yes to the murder to the to the uh yeah tracking down this woman in the stalking the woman in the grocery store someone is stalking a woman and of course the question becomes how are these two items related and, uh, well, it's going to be a while before we find out. And so we cut right, like Tony's called into this one right away. Yeah. And we get a great moment, like an absolutely great moment where he's like, uh, have you set up roadblocks? Like, no. <laughs> oh, that's a mistake. Yeah. Uh, the killer left a body out in the middle of the road so that people would find it. 
meaning the killer wants it to be found, meaning the killer is going to check to make sure it got found. Yeah. So the killer definitely drove by at some point and you probably missed it. Yep. Oh, we love you, Tony. Yeah. He's so fantastic. Uh, he's, he's cold and he's, he's hard on people, but he's frequently right. And that's what counts. Yes. All right. So, uh, next up, we find well, out what has happened. This, uh, cause they're in this real struggle. It's kind of an interesting thing because there's no ID on the woman. So it actually takes them a minute to just figure out who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like they don't immediately at know who the woman is. They're like, okay, well, we got to figure out roughly, does she live in the area? Is there anybody missing? And it turns out that someone has been reported missing and there was a car left at a grocery store and they're able to find, so they're able to figure out relatively quickly that it's this 20-year-old woman, but no one can figure out why, why her, who hated her. She's just a woman who worked at the building society. So like, you know, the... uh the group that runs uh, public housing. Well, building societies are also our community banks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yes. The building society. I always forget that term. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. Building well, Australia. society. Australia. Has them too? Yeah. Gotcha. Here we just have, like, we have the Northern Credit Union. In and things Sydney. like that. And the community credit union or whatever. Yeah. Whereas but, there they call them building societies because yes. it's all about, you know, where you get a mortgage or where you get a loan to build your house and whatnot. And you have savings in the bank. Of course. All that sort of stuff. And in the United States there, they have those types of things as well. And they are frequently extremely corrupt and go bankrupt. <laughs> we all remember the savings and loan scandal. Yes. Or, water. or the, uh, the movie, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. All about a uh, a small bank like that. All right. Uh, so, yes. So, she was just an ordinary woman. No one can figure out why would she be murdered? Why would she be strangled and left there and uh, have a uh, and have a number two pinned to her chest? Yeah. It's a very weird crime scene. Yeah. And it's only Tony that seems to understand that the number two pinned to her chest must be important. <laughs> must be very important from his point of view. Like, that's a really weird thing to do. Of course, it's that, like, you don't go to the trouble of writing out this, you know, very carefully sketched note unless it's going to be vital, right, to the point you're trying to make. And the interesting thing is uh, they actually show the killer working on their diary of the, you know, why wouldn't anyone listen to me? You know, it's like yeah. you were warned, all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they are 100 uh, <coughs> percent. Excuse me. They are 100% like uh, a sinister person who is, who has some sort of an ulterior motive behind these. And Tony basically dismisses pretty quickly the theory that, oh, well, we think it's this guy we like for a child murder. Right. Uh, they, because uh, there's the, one of the cops had arrested this guy for the abduction and murder of an 11 year old girl some years earlier. Yeah. Right. And he's like, I know he did it. We just could never find any proof, but I'm 100% certain he did it. And now this woman has also been strangled. The same like, way. Not exactly the same way. And that's what Tony says. 
Uh, but the woman, like her, uh, as they say, the, the little girl, her blue tights were pulled off of her and she was strangled with her own tights. Yeah. And this woman was strangled with a blue rope, but yeah. with Tony. And so he's like, it's gotta be the same guy. We have to get, go and get this guy. He's killed yeah. again. It's he even says, not Tony, not Tony. Not, no, not Kevin. Uh, not Kevin. It's the other cop. Yeah, uh, Kevin's the younger cop. Oh, yeah, not Kevin. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. It's the it's the older cop, and he's absolutely sure that they have to go and get this guy yeah. who is the guy that we see as well at the yeah. beginning. The guy who was being brought in by the cops at the beginning. Yeah. And in fact, he's like this guy after murdering this girl here moved up north an hour and tried to abduct a girl there. Yeah. Right? And he's sure that he did that one too. Yeah. And so he's like, this guy is, uh, and he is a known child molester. Like we know he's a menace. Yeah. This is the guy. And that, and they are 100 and he is 100% sure this yeah. is the guy. But Tony jumps in with, except a, and he keeps saying this woman was 20, but she looked young. Maybe he just, you know, maybe it was dark. He mistook her, except we already know that he was, the killer was following her through the lawn, the grocery store and had an elaborate kidnapping plan. So it it could not be what the cop says it is. And Tony just flat out says, look, this is uh, this is not a sexual crime. Yeah, it's just not. And this is not a sexual crime. There was no there was no assault of any kind that we know of, that there's no signs of it. This was simply a case of someone who wanted her dead. And then he tries to figure out, OK, why? And this is the thing that sticks in his head that he can't get out of his head. She had a bag taped over her head and then she was strangled. And he's like, cause, oh, right. And the other detail was the, the little girl they found had a bag over her head, yeah. but she was suffocated with the things in the, uh, the tights and the bag was put on afterwards. And Tony's thing is that is traditional remorseful behavior. You're disgusted at what you did. You can't look at the face of the person you killed. So you throw a bag over that person's face. And he's like, that is a completely, like he's seen that a hundred times in other cases. That's not strange. Whereas this one, the bag was taped over the person's head before they were strangled with the rope. Yeah. And Tony's trying to figure out what that is. And then he realizes that's exactly how you hang somebody. You take a bag, you put the bag tight over their head, and only after the bag is over their head do you put the rope around their neck. Yeah. And so Tony's like, this wasn't a sex crime. This was a, this was an execution. Yeah. So it has to be related to something. Yes. Yeah. It's all about, as the title says, justice. Yeah. And that is going to be the watchword for this episode. Yeah. Oh. We've talked about how rough episodes of the show could be, but I'd forgotten how rough this one in particular was. Oh, this, this, then, well, yes, this one is really rough because yeah. then mm -hmm. we get another picture of another little girl. Yep. And this turns out to be the one that the person who's not Kevin, Mike, let's call him Mike for now. Yeah. <laughs> We're not remembering his name, but that's not important to the, the story. No, this little girl. Yeah. Picked up. Mm -hmm. And she's the one that, that uh, Mike was involved with. I mean, yeah. we don't like it. The case he was looking strange. into. It's, it's strange how it does its flashbacks. So we get yeah. the flashback to 
this little girl being picked up. Yeah. You know, we know she was stolen. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, she was playing outside. Her mother went in for a cup of coffee. When her mother came back outside, the girl was gone. And this is the girl, this is the one who was murdered, and this is how we introduce the character of the mother, who's going to be fairly important. Yeah, the mother and her, yes, we get the mother, and eventually we will meet the father. Yeah, who are not coping well with the death of their daughter. No. Because the frustrating part is, it's not just that they didn't catch the guy, it's that they charged the guy with murder, and he went, and they had a full trial, and he was let go. Yeah, he was found not guilty. Yeah, he was found not guilty. And that's the key part. Like, so he has been exonerated, but everybody in the police department is still sure they had the right guy. And, and, and I mean, he was away from Bradford because he went yep. up north, as we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then he came back. Yeah, exactly. Bradford. And um, so when they... Yeah, so when they do bring him in, of course, the media is all over it. Mm -hmm. Well, no, and it's interesting. We see the media playing a central role in, like, this three episodes in a row, the media has factored into how these crimes are investigated, which is very realistic. You know, it it really is a very realistic thing because we see the the reporter just go straight to their house, the house of the the dead girl, right? The her family and be like, Hey, have you heard about this lady who got, uh, strangled exactly the same way your daughter did? Do you think that this guy is killing again? So it's like, you've got the media actively amping up these people's grief to try and get a quote. So yeah, this, this is not a show that is very kind to the media. Well, it's the British media. Yeah. yeah. The only, the only world that's less kind is South Korean drama. That's true. Oy, oh, they, they hate the newspapers down in South Korea. It's very interesting. That's a very interesting. Yeah, a thing. It's a through line. It's an off. interesting through line through all of this stuff. But through all it's of like, these, well, yeah. Enough of the shows. The first anyway. three, yeah, enough of the show. The media is always interacting and always interfering. And sometimes yeah. correctly, sometimes not. Well, it was interesting because they even it even came up on, you know, Korean criminal minds. Yeah. Like it even came up on that show. It's fascinating. All right. So, uh, so everyone is heightened and they're like, and Tony thinks, you know, this has to be about justice. This has to be about the little girl somehow. And they, they don't really have a good set of leads until they find the set until someone else gets killed. Yeah. The second victim, then they finally, because it doesn't make any sense because there doesn't seem to be any relationship between mm-hmm. this 20-year-old girl. Yeah, and the dead girl. And the dead girl. The family, they don't live in the same area. There's no interaction. There's no contact. There's nothing. And then the second person gets killed. Yep. And same crucially, way. we do another stalking scene. Yep. And we see that the second victim knows the killer. Yes. And that is the key element. She looks out like this car stops in front of her and she looks in the window and is like, hey, what are you doing here? And then she gets murdered. And they find in her mouth, yes, stuffed in her mouth, they find, because uh, the first girl had new, and they had this black smudge around her mouth, right? The 20-year-old woman, sorry, uh, had this black smudge around her mouth and they had to identify it. And then 
it turns out to be newsprint. And so Tony's like, okay, well, the, when we get the second victim, check her thoroughly. And they find wadded up newsprint in her mouth. Yeah. And they open it up and they see what it is. It's two different stories about the court case and the guy getting off. Yeah. And then they realize, oh my God, the victims are mentioned in these stories. And I mean, at some level, narratively, you feel like maybe you should have looked a little harder into the backgrounds of these people because it turns out that both of the dead women were on the jury. Yeah. Well, with the first one, you see, it, yeah. well, no, I, I'm not sure that that would have necessarily come up. Come up. Well, it might have with Mike, but nobody was listening to Mike. That's true. Nobody was listening. You're, nobody you are right was about paying that. attention to Mike. Remember that her, already her police chief, like her, her boss is yeah. wants this downplayed and doesn't mm -hmm. want another fiasco like they had when, when this guy was brought in, they want to yep. bring him in. He says, keep, keeps going. No, you can mm -hmm. do that. No, you're right. Yeah. No. So I, I can see how they wouldn't have made the connection. Well, and she's I guess pretty you're right. young to be on a, on a, on a, a jury. Court. It wouldn't be their first thing. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be their first go-to and probably none of them uh particularly would have paid attention to the jury jury at the names, yeah jury names are not and this they're not public yes they're not public and that so it has to be that is a crucial part of this you're absolutely yeah right. and so this has to be someone who is at the trial yeah it has to be someone that like the killer has to have known and so it's like well, uh, it has to be someone who was at the trial, maybe every day. So it still could be the killer, but they think it's far more likely that it's the parents of the victim. Yes. And it's very interesting because Tony uh, is, is just immediately profiles that the kind of person this is would have to be a person who is obsessed with order and obsessed with things, you know, being done the right way. And this kind of a job and that kind of a job. That it has to be something, something that uh, involves a lot of detail work. And the funny thing is, is that, of course, the husband, her father, this dead, the dead girl's father, fits yeah. the profile. Perfectly, yeah. I mean, this, fits is, Tony's this is a brilliant episode for just showing how limited profiling is. Yeah, because it's general enough that there's just a whole bunch of people that could fit the profile. And then, and I think it's not spoiling anything, then, of course, it turns out that he he couldn't have done it. Yep. And then then Tony latches on to the mother. Yeah, maybe it's the mother. And you know, it doesn't have to be a man. And then he <laughs> goes over there, right? And the woman, don't go in the room. It's her birthday. Like the father comes home. Oh, God, that scene is so... How could you do this this day? Our daughter's 14th birthday. Yeah, that was How a rough scene. You? That scene was so... It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And you have this the whole thing of just Tony's face of like realizing how badly he screwed this up. Yeah, because they could have figured that one out too. Yeah, exactly. You they know? just, they weren't looking. No, he just, he just was so, so enamored of his profile. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Okay. It blinded him to everything else. Yeah, it blinded him to everything else. And that is what's so typical of Tony. <laughs> it really is. And then we get, and meanwhile, we've been cutting into the guy who is suspected of the murder uh, of their daughter. Yeah. Right. And what's been going on with him. People have been sending him threatening letters. They have been throwing, we see them throw a brick through his window. Yeah. Right. And it's like he is being stalked. 
Yep. And like there, people are, uh, someone is decided not to give him a moment's peace ever. Yes. And so he. And, oh, and meanwhile, oh, but before that happens, they check on all of the other jurors and they find another juror dead stuffed in the trunk of her car. Yeah. That juror number one. Well, juror number, no, juror number, no, no, the no, irony is, no, there's seven. seven yes. It's the first victim. It's the first victim. And yeah, we did neglected to mention that Tony was sure that there would have to be a first victim. Yeah. That like the woman on the side of the road couldn't be the first victim because no killer is this confident in their first crime. Right. And so, and it turns out, yeah, the first victim, the killer tried to hide the body and freaked out a little and dumped it in the car and nobody found the body. And so no one even knew this woman was dead. Yeah. And so it just, it just so happened that the next two people she killed were jurors two and three because yeah. the first person she had killed had been juror number seven. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a nice little touch that made them think there was a, a victim number one. No, there was actually a victim number seven. She was just killed first. And then, and then what's interesting. So then, then Tony does his profile again and says, well, it seems like they're only after the women because the women yeah. are supposed to be nurturers and yeah. women are supposed to check, uh, protect children. So they're blaming them for not, uh, bringing this guy to these guys to justice. And then that profiling Thing. Well, that that one comes out in a, a little later on because yeah. before that, and this is the scene that's so fantastic, yeah. the guy who's accused of murder, yep. right, of murdering the little girl, comes in and confesses to killing all the jurors. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony's like, there's no way you did this. There's no way you did this. And it turns yeah. out, of course, he just wanted to get away from the press yeah. and all these people. The press and the people who might have killed him because obviously, you know, people are breaking windows. Yeah. People are threatening his life. So he's very terrified to be out in public and he wants police protection. And he thinks there's no way the police are going to protect me. So I'm just going to confess to the crime and we'll figure it out later. Yeah. I'll be I mean, it's not a plan. It's not a bad plan. I'll say that. No, yeah. Except, you know, they f figure out pretty, but they do give him police protection. Yeah, but the, what's crucial is Tony goes and he interviews him. Yes. And he tries to figure out if this guy is like, is A, the new killer. He's sure he's not the new killer, but he wants to figure out if he did it in the first place. Yes. And he's unsure that he did it. Yep. He thinks he might not have done it. So Tony's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go an hour up north to the other town. I'm going to interview the girl who got kidnapped there and then released. And I'm going to find out if this guy did it. Because if this guy is serially, like, if he grabbed somebody else, he's probably the killer. But if he didn't grab somebody else, if it's not the same uh, perpetrator, then maybe he didn't do it. Right? Then maybe this, maybe... Maybe the jury had it right. Yes. And that's what he's going to do. And so that's that's the goal he sets out for himself. Yeah. And then we have a, a kind of a, this unbelievably good scene. Like, this is some of the best treatment of psychological counseling I've ever seen in a show. The scene where he is interviewing the girl who, can, who like, doesn't talk. Yeah. Like, how he... Like the steps he goes through to show that he can be trusted and remind her that she's always in control of the situation. You're like, he's so good at his job. Yeah. And it's very funny because we just read Angel of Darkness and covered Angel of Darkness, which has a sequence where Laszlo is trying to get this girl to speak again. 
Like it's doing basically the same thing as this, but we ne- but because we're following Stevie, we don't actually see the scenes where he's counseling this little girl. Yeah. Whereas here we actually watch Tony counseling this girl and I'm going to say it, doing an incredible job as a counselor. Yeah. Like it really is. It is all of the best practices, letting her feel in control, making sure she always feels safe, all of this stuff. And then he gets her to, he finally, like, cause she hasn't talked to anybody about her assault because she was assaulted. Uh, well, all, uh, it was an aborted assault. And then he, she was just left on the side of the road. Right. With no shoes on. With no shoes on. The guy stole her shoes because of whatever weird paraphilia he had. Yeah. And so she goes and she, uh, and she talks and he interviews her and he's like, what did he look like? And it turns out it was an old man. Yeah. So now Tony knows, oh, it wasn't the guy who's suspected of killing this other girl. And so now Tony's like, I guess he didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was this was really great because as he was trying to persuade her parents, because her parents don't like to go discontinue on with that particular thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That her parents don't want her to be upset and her parents don't. But she make he makes the key. If she doesn't talk, it will he said she haunt her forever. Stuck, yeah. It's stuck in her mind like a loop. And until mm-hmm. she talks about it, this is what I keep talking about when I talk about therapy. Yeah. If you It'll talk, just keep replaying forever. You, you don't get it out. If you yeah. don't talk about it, if you don't tell somebody, it just sticks in your mind and it goes around and around and around mm-hmm. and it make, it incapacitates you further. And yeah. If you could just persuade people of that, and Tony persuades the parents that this is necessary, he lets them watch as he's yep. talking with her. And when she finally, you know, sort of breaks down and sort of in little bits and then goes back, and mm-hmm. you know, and he just is very gentle. And she's got this, he's got, she's got this single where signal where she, you know, compl- all she has to do if he, if he ever goes too far and she doesn't want to talk something she doesn't have to say stop she doesn't have to shake her head just lift up a finger yeah. and we will go back and talk about something else yeah. i mean again it is one of the best examples of dealing with a trauma victim like one of the best written versions of it i've ever seen in a tv show like i can't say enough good things about how well they do this scene yeah it is so sensitive and it is so realistic yeah and i think that it this gives people a better idea yeah. Of how all of this works mm-hmm. than anybody else. I mean, in terms of profiling, but in terms of trauma therapy with victims. Yeah. You know, um, trauma massively traumatized victims. And oh yeah. So anyway. Such a good scene. But now that Tony has given them the okay that this guy might not have done it, yeah. they give him they let him out of jail and they give him police protection. And meanwhile, by the way, we haven't mentioned the side plot at all, that Carol's dating somebody. Yes. A perfectly nice lawyer. Yes. Like, just a pleasant dude who clearly likes her a lot. Yeah. But, you know, like... Carol's Carol. Uh, Carol's Carol. She is emotionally removed from this guy. <laughs> and it, and you can see it in every single one of their interactions. Oh, yeah. Like, there's there's no interaction where it feels like she's opening up with him. And he, he, like, because he goes, and there's a scene we didn't talk about earlier because uh, it happens when the second murder happens. Um, he has, he is cooking dinner for her 
and she has to leave, right? Because the second murder's happening. He's like, and she doesn't understand why he doesn't just buy takeout or buy pre-made meals <laughs> that you just put in a microwave. Yeah. She just can't understand this whole cooking for yourself <laughs> nonsense, uh, which is a nice, a nice character note for her. Let's you know how Carol eats when there's no man around. <laughs> um, who knows how to cook? Who knows how to cook? Because honestly, any man around who doesn't know how to cook is going to order takeout. <laughs> Two exactly, uh, but yeah, uh, but then we have this great moment when she comes back from the murder scene. He didn't go home. He just stayed and waited for her. Yeah. And she is both pleased and concerned. And Hermione Norris, who plays Carol Jordan, does a great job of, with her facial expression, towing that line. Where of just being like, it's obviously touching to her that he did this. But at the same time, this is not what she's looking for. Yeah, that's... Fundamentally. Fundamentally. She's looking for one night stands. So she exactly. can't really get into any kind of a relationship. Yeah, she's just not, she doesn't want to open herself up. No. And that is obviously what this guy wants. He wants to be a bigger part of her life. Yeah. He is quite clear in that. And, oh my God. But we'll talk about the next scene about that in a minute, because it's kind of brutal. Uh, but we'll get there oh, in a minute. Yeah, I mean, it just... Uh, so yeah, um, the question becomes, uh, you know, who is doing this and they chase down the, like they, the, the guy who's the suspect has someone put, you know, something on fire into his apartment, like try to set the place on fire with him inside. And so, and the cop is there too, the older cop who, by the way, bad luck, the old cop who's sure this guy is the killer. That's who got put in charge of. Yeah, guarding, <laughs> guarding him. Meanwhile, Mike. Kevin got to hang out with the uh, Mike. Yeah, Kevin got to hang out with the last female juror. Yeah, and her husband in a much cushier gig. Yeah, Kevin is obviously no longer on the outs anymore because you got to remember, like every one of these e- uh, episodes is set like not a huge amount of time afterwards, but a decent amount of time after the previous yeah. episode, so that you don't get so the like, sense that there's a murder every week. In, not at all. It's not like, <laughs> yeah, this is not a place flooded with serials. This killers. is not murder, murder she wrote, or midsummer. Yeah. Midsum- Murders, <laughs> where there's an elaborate crime every single week in midsummer. <laughs> oh, God. It's a fun show, though. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not a fun show, but it is, it is a stretch. All right. So, anyway, uh, but yeah, Kevin got the cushy gig of hanging out and defending the last female juror who lives with her husband uh who lives with her husband in a nice little place and uh so someone sets on fire and who set it on fire but the the wife of the uh the wife uh the wife sorry the husband and wife of the the parents of the murdered girl that's who set his place on fire yeah and they see them running away like they know who did it yeah and at the same time the next day Another juror has been murdered, except this time it was an old man. Yeah. And so it has thrown all of their profiling out. And something key happens uh, if you're paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. Which is we see Kevin riding with the husband and wife, mm-hmm. right? And they drive by the house where the guy is dead. 
and nobody like Kevin hasn't been told. And this couple doesn't know, uh, as far as we can tell that that's the house where someone has just died. But if you've been paying attention, you know how meaningful it is Yeah, that they just drove by the house where the last murder, because that's what Tony was talking about at the start of the episode. Uh, so very good scene there. Very subtle, very well done. I was actually quite impressed that they, because I had totally forgotten that part. Like, ah, they're they're keeping track of every part of this story. Mm -hmm. They know exactly how to do this. I And my question is, I don't think this one was based on a novel. I think this was an original story, but we can check that later. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the point is, yeah, it turns out there's only six books about Carol Jordan and Tony Hill. Yeah, well, I've got three of them upstairs. And there's only like six books and like only two of them were written when the show started or three of them were written when the show started. Mm -hmm. So it's like most of the episodes of the show are their own stories. But anyway, uh, let's get back to it. So they re they go through. So Tony is going through his profile. Who could the killer be? Has to be fastidious, has to be connected to the case. Right. Has to have this. And if it's not the parents, because they were off, you know, committing arson when this murder happened. Yeah. Right. Who could it possibly be? Can't be them. And so he's like, oh, my God, the the uh, the female juror, her husband, he exactly like he was an accountant. He has this number based job. He would have heard all about the trial. Yeah. Right. It, it, it could be him. Uh, that's a thought. And, but when does that thought happen? And this is the key. This is the really important Carol and her boyfriend scene. <laughs> In oh, I love this scene so much. So Tony is there sitting as he always does, staying up all night, working on these cases. Talks about he's never sleeps because there's too much work to do. Yep. And so Carol's at home and her boyfriend is trying to involve himself in her life and talking about the possibility of the case. And he... She doesn't want to hear it. And she gives this whole, this is my home time. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about the case. I don't want to spend my whole life. I have to have a private life. Can we just not talk about it? And he's like, okay, if you want. And then as they're lying in bed, Tony calls because he thinks he might have an idea about the case. <laughs> and she runs over off to be with Tony. Yeah. To discuss the case to discuss the case in the middle of the night when she was just talking to her boyfriend about her desire to have a private life away from the case. God damn it. Yeah. Ah, uh, and then, oh my God. And then he talked. And so they, they start talking about whether this could be a pair of, could this be a pair of killers? You know, could this be people working together? Right. And, he thinks it's too singular. Like in any, this is like too much someone's quest, yeah. right? It, it's someone's, you know, I have to get justice. And he, he just doesn't believe that it could be two people because it all gets into psychology and um, you have dominance and submission in those kinds of relationships. You have people escalating to compete with each other in that kind of relationships. And this obviously is just the signature of one person yes. that they're dealing with. So he's like, it can't be two people. But the talking about Domin's submission in relation in all relationships, there always has to be people who are above and people who are below leads to Carol talking about her like and he uses an example as her relationship with her boyfriend. And he correctly profiles that it's like, like, you might like him, 
but you want to be completely in control. You would ever only go to your house, not his house. And when you're not going to be dating anymore, that's going to be a decision you make that you make the call of. And then she has the, well, what about our relationship? And we have our first moment where Tony and Carol almost kiss. Almost. Almost. Because Tony profiles the relationship. Perfectly. Her, their relationship as yeah. one of constant um, push and pull. Yeah, exactly. Because both like of them constantly... need to be dominant. Yeah, they both of them need to be in control. And so Absolutely. therefore, therefore, that's what they can't. Yeah. Like, is it, uh, could it possibly work? You know, it's like, it's, this is a conversation that we're going to be having a lot over the run of the show. Yeah. During. Yeah. During. Well, actually don't say anything in case people haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so it's, it's a very good scene. And then they come up, he comes up with the idea that it could be the husband. So we then cut away to uh it's the next day and they call kevin who's living there possibly with the killer and ask him to search the house yep all right search the house find some evidence if this is the kind of obsessively orderly person you're going to see evidence of it and so searching the kitchen he uh opens the uh, like cupboard and finds that it's like every can is perfectly arranged and every little bit of extra food has its own tupperware container that has been labeled and then he's like oh yeah there's there's an ocd person in this house there's a fastidious person in their house just like tony said they would be and so you get a great scene where uh he's like okay well go find the he's like is there a room you haven't been in he's like well there's an office upstairs that the husband uses and the wife uses right they both use this office like, you've got to find a way to get into the, uh, you've got to find a way to get in there. And so the wife says, I'm going to go run to the shops and do some shopping. And so Kevin, instead of going with her, says, take Bob with you, you know, the husband. And she says, okay. And then he goes up to search the house, yeah. to search the room. And, and what I love is the moment, right? It's, it's so good the way they construct the show, because where did we see that everything was so perfectly filed away? Obsessively filed away. In the kitchen. Away. In the kitchen. Yeah. Who, and none of them think whose domain is the kitchen. Yeah, it's really weird. But it's so, but I mean, well, because they immediately think it's the man. I mean, that's just, when it's this kind of killer, of course you immediately think it's the man. Like it, well, I mean, it is. It's fascinating, right? The, yeah. the way gender plays out. We've yeah. seen it. I mean, we, and that is also a continuing theme throughout this, these, this series. You'll see gender yep. issues all the time. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And Kevin just doesn't even. Yeah. Oh, but even Tony and Carol don't think. No, Tony and Carol, because Kevin tells them. Kevin tells them it's, the kitchen is completely, you know, stacked and different. Well, Whose domain is the kitchen? Come on, guys, get it together. Yeah. And then the husband walks into the house uh, just as Kevin finds like the murder book, like this book full of sketches of hanging and a death list. The husband walks in. He was not brought to the shops the way she said she was going to bring him to the yeah. shops. And then they're like, oh, hell. And they realize what they they look at the verdict and the verdict was 11 to 1. Yeah. There was one juror who was 100% certain. By the way, in, in England, you don't, you need a majority to get a conviction. You don't need unanimous verdicts, just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's always the problem, yeah. right? 
Yeah, it's uh, in, in America. People are used to American justice shows, you know? So you only get a hung jury when you get six, six. Six and six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you just need majority rule to get a conviction or an acquittal, yeah. you know, in England. So, yeah, uh, there was one juror and they're like, oh, my God, because it's sealed who voted what way. Yes. But now that they know that it was 11 to one, they're like, oh, my God. So someone must have, like, been fighting right to the end. And she must blame the other jurors for getting away with it. For him getting away and with it. For him getting away with it. And when he was connected to this crime in another city, that was the stressor that drove her over the and edge. Because she thought. And then he came back. And she's like, oh, my God. He's going to keep killing again. And it's these people's fault. Yeah. And. It's 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 a fascinating thing, right? Because they they just go down down that road, and even though all of these other jurors are being killed, it's like some have moved away. Uh, yeah, yeah, we didn't explain that. Like, there's only a, there's part. five, a few left. Yeah, around. there's only a couple of jurors. Maybe there's two jurors left because yeah, one in has the moved area. to Australia, one died. You know, yeah. they, this sort of thing. So they're not around. So it's only the ones that are in this vicinity. That seemed to be in that danger. That seemed to be in danger. And so they immediately, when they find out she's on the loose, are like, we've got to get to the last protection on the last two men. And Tony's like, nope, she knows she's caught. She's decompensating. She's going to go after the person she's really been angry at the whole time. And that's the guy who's accused of killing the little girl. Yeah. And so we see Mike and the guy at the guy's shop. Yep. And the guy decides to pull a runner and just flee. Yep. Big mistake. Oh, big mistake. And he runs to his lockup to gather up his stuff. And who's waiting for her? For him? The killer. The killer. Gets clubbed over the head, gets the bag over his head, and gets strangled. While they're rushing out to try and find him. And they come, they arrive just a little too late. And he has been killed. And then we get the kicker. Yeah, so, yeah, well, then he has been killed. They, She says, she says, I was right, wasn't I? I was right. I was right. And they go upstairs and they go through the whole, the attic and everything else. And they find this little girl's sweater. Because they had and never that, found the sweater she was wearing yeah. on the day she was abducted. Yeah. Yeah, he was the killer. He was the killer. All of that. And he was the killer. Yeah. Oh. What an episode. Talk, I mean, and that does come, the first time you see that, that comes as an extreme shock. Oh, God, yeah, because we were convinced just like Tony was. Like, Tony is such an authority, and he's so good at justifying things. And we know that he didn't attack the girl in the other city. Yeah. Right? So, like, we are taken in exactly how Tony was. Yeah, except Tony is supposed to be better than this. Exactly. Tony's the expert. Tony's the guy who's, it's his job to know. Yeah. And he got it wrong. Yeah. And so as a consequence, we got it wrong too. Yeah. No, Damn. It's, it's, it, I mean, the performances are wonderful. Yeah. And then, and it's like, you get Tony essentially having a crisis of faith in his own abilities. Yeah. He's like, how did I miss this? Oh, no, it's such it's such a good ending. It's such a brutal ending, but it's such a good yeah. ending. And I think that um, what what is interesting, and that's what makes I think this show so powerful in yeah. some ways, is that profiling is not put off as up as the be all and end all. 
This- no, nope. it's not an exact science and he's not infallible. No. Far from it. And like Tony is such a complicated and man. This, and it's not. Like, and remember, oh. and remember that, yeah. that he, they didn't even figure out the significance of the newsprint in the mouth until he had gone to see the woman. Remember who he's still trying to get yep. her to tell him. Where yeah. Putting went. words in my mouth. And she yeah. says, putting words in her mouth, his mouth. And then he goes, Oh, shit. Oh, of course. It can't just be that he was trying to suffocate them. It has to be like to be what's on the newspaper. Newsprint had to be significant. Yeah. And that's when he finds, yeah, we didn't mention that earlier. You're right. Like he's not going to catch everything. He's not infallible. He's not perfect. Like it's, it's, and he's such a complicated character and he's so, I think the thing that I find most interesting about him, I mean, I find a lot of things interesting about this character is that he has this weird thing where he can't decide whether he's empathizing more with the killer or the victim. Yeah. Like he sees what the victim wants, sorry, what the killer wants, and he's able to understand what the killer wants and who the killer is, but the thing that interests him most is trying to understand what the victim was going through. And in the same way, in the first episode, we ha- saw him literally like lying down where the, um, uh, where the victim was this time he goes to where the girl was found in the middle of the road and just stands there all on his own, trying to imagine what she was felt like being assaulted and then just dropped in the middle of nowhere. Cause it's like, and it's it's frustrating to him that it's not difficult for him to picture being the killer, but he really has to work at picturing being the victim. Yeah, I mean, it was it was something because you see the picture of the man, you know, yeah. picking the the that dragging that little girl up, and he, oh. he is. But this is so key, and as he said, he has to apologize to Mike, as we're calling him. Yeah. Mike, for like, for you know, doubting him, he was right the whole you time. You were right, and you got to tell me how you did this. Did know. You know, he was the killer. Yeah, and and all I mean, ultimately, all Mike really could have said was instinct, police instinct. Yeah. I just knew it. He had his gut. His gut. Well, no, but in earlier, he you know, Tony was ready to put his brain against Mike's yep. gut. Well, Mike's gut won. Mike's gut won. Oh God, yeah, it's it's quite an. I mean, it really is an amazing. Yes, yeah. and I, so that's good. why I really like it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good episode. And then we get the final kicker, which is uh, Carol's like, uh, you know, let's let's go talk this over. And he's like, "What about your boyfriend?" And she's like, "Oh, we broke." Yeah. <laughs> And I tried to tell you that last yes. night, but you're not psychic. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. And it's like, I'm, I'm completely understand the boyfriend. It's like, come on. She gave you this whole speech about wanting to have a personal life. And then Tony called and she left in the, left her boyfriend in the middle of the yeah. night to go lie on the floor with Tony and talk about Siri. And I'm not things. sure that she's necessarily the one. You're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he, he, once she did that, dude, this is over come on <laughs> yeah but yeah and that's where they leave us at the end of the first season like is is something going on with her and tony like what's what's gonna happen yeah here? and he's you see him walking away but he's yeah <laughs> i really thoroughly 
enjoyed that particular episode as brutal it's, and difficult as it was going oh. through. And um, if because yep. it does tell you that you just can't make heroes out of anything or anyone. Nope. You know, and um, I, by the way, I found a second episode from Supernatural that had been copped. By, really? By, by, by criminal minds. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Uh, <laughs> now that's two, and I'm just like, oh, shit, yeah. They're very similar. It. These are very similar. Well, stories. yeah, no, it's it's the, co the core of the core, the core of these little things. I mean, the first one was with uh, Penelope's backstory, but this I can't remember yeah. exactly which one it was, but I'm just going, oh, geez, they did it again, eh? Criminal Minds loves to crib from stuff. They always yeah. Oh, the Thin Man. Oh, the Thin yeah. Man. Yeah, the oh, Thin okay. Man story. It has the uh, the face busters uh, in, oh, in, in the um, Thin Man's Ghost, ghost facers. facers. Yeah, Ghost Facers in the Thin Man story. The tall, Although, to be fair, a lot of people have done uh that because it's all ripped off of slender man so that might be uh you know parallel thinking more than ripping off uh them well, well not, we i just realized you're not really aware to, no no we'll have to look at it specifically you have absolutely right. but i'm just saying i i will look at the episode i will absolutely look well at not only look at the um, episodes but you have to look at the timing of it i know of when they came out no i will Don't worry. <laughs> uh it's funny though right the uh there's so many of these. Uh, but there, there's so many times they do stuff yeah. like that. It's interesting to me because you watch this episode yeah. and you're like, it comes down to when he talks about dominance and submission. He talks about human relationships and we look at his need to be not necessarily the aggressor, but the dominant one. And you realize, yeah, that's how. That's how he survived Angelica. Yeah. And now you're realizing that this, this need to be to the, his feeling closer to the predators than to the prey is how he survived Angelica because he is, he has this brutally dominant personality to the point that where once he was in a room with her and saw all, you know, and cause he already knew about all of the evidence of her life of abuse at the hands of her parents. He's like, Oh my God. He immediately, as this kind of dominant, controlling personality, could see that she has been looking her whole life for someone to, you know, control yeah. her, to dominate her, to be in charge. Because, you know, of her warped upbringing, that's how she, what she needs to feel whole. And he recognized it right away once they were in a room together. And when we see this episode and we hear more of his philosophy of human relationships, you're like, well, of course he was able to figure that quite oh, yeah. easily. It's at the cornerstone of his and entire philosophy that, of human relationships. But he wants to, but he want, but he still, if you were to tell him that it was, that that was at the core of his relationships with other human beings, because he yeah. back, he backtracks it. Like he doesn't, he does. I mean, even in all of this, right. He is, he, he might think he's not pleased that Carol has dumped her boyfriend, but this is a, that was a dominance play. Oh, yeah. Because he just backed away when they almost kissed. He backed away and that was a dominance play and dumped her boyfriend. And 
So yep. Tony is dominant. And if you were to tell him that about his relationships, he wouldn't admit that. Of course not. But you, of course he you wouldn't. You see it. This writing is just brilliant. It's so good. And I think Val McDiarmid, I mean, you know, she always gets a credit on these things, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have her in the writing room periodically. Or, or like consulting yeah, on these scripts about the character stuff. It wouldn't shock me yeah. at all. Yeah, because I, I would have to check if Val McDiarmid also has like a consultant credit in addition to the based on characters created yeah. by. Because it wouldn't shock me if she does, given how good, like how consistent the character work is throughout this season, even when it doesn't seem to be based on one of her books. Yeah. So yeah, very, very impressive. Yeah. So yeah, just, just a great episode and a perfect way to end the season with us, you know, not knowing exactly what's going to happen next for any of these characters. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, this is, this, I mean, it's just three movies, right? So it's not, or six episodes of television, if you want to phrase yeah. it that way, uh, because it was aired, they were each aired over two nights originally. Yeah. We watched them as movies, but they originally aired over two nights as uh, two parts. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, you watch them and structurally, they're clearly movies. Yeah. It's not like they have, it's not like, you know, the American miniseries tradition where they get to the end of the uh, two hours and there's a big cliffhanger moment, you know? We're going to wrap up here. Uh, we're going to be, we're not taking a hiatus between seasons. This isn't a Criminal Minds uh, situation where we're exhausted after doing, you know, 23, 26 episodes, <laughs> talking about 26 episodes of television in a row. We're just, uh. next week, we're going to go straight into, um, Oh, actually, we might do the Q&A thing first, but yeah. like very soon we're going to be back with season two, episode one. And no, I didn't check the title. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I am not going. No, back. no, don't go back. It's fine. But the point is, uh, it's on Prime season two, episode it one, says, Wire in the Blood. She couldn't. Oh. I did. did. Oh, it's. I've got it up, actually. But it says still she cut. And that's it. And I'm going. Thanks. Guys. Okay. Thanks, guys. How am I going to figure out what this episode is called? Ah, we'll figure it out later. Uh, <laughs> you know? The important part she, is, though... Okay, here it is. Uh, still She Cries. Still She Cries. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Um, we, uh, we're very excited to start moving to Season 2 and seeing how these relationships develop. Again, I haven't watched these in years. You watched them recently. But I'm yeah. very excited to see how it plays out. And when does the other cop get there? Because there's Mike, and there's Kevin, and then there's the lady cop. Well, she's sort of there. No, she wasn't in these episodes. No, so no, she wasn't I don't in these two episodes. So is she in season three? Or is she season three? You know what? I'm, we're going to find out by watching. It's fine. <laughs> we'll find out by watching it. Uh, just so yeah, we will be back next week, either with season two, episode one, or the Q&A. Uh, or we might do that as a special Sunday episode. Uh, I'm not going to predict exactly how we're going to format this, but very soon we will be back with more Wire in the Blood. And oh my God, turns out we're not done with Style Section after all. Really? Guess what turned up on YouTube? No, what? Someone uploaded the entire show Profit. No. Yep. The Fox show starring Adrian Paisdar as a psychopath working in the... Uh, Working in the um the Dragon like well in um in a uh in some in the big one of the biggest corporations in the world trying to take over the corporation through you know manipulation and various crimes 
that was created by Wise Guy alums and inspired by the Mel Prophet character. Yes, the Mel Prophet backstory. Well, kind of. Well, no, it's an entirely different version. It's what if he went straight instead of getting into drug dealing? Yes. I mean, that that is really what the story is. What if Mel Prophet had gone into the world of corporate, uh, you know, the world of corporations instead of the world of drug dealing? And the answer is he would have been even more successful. Yes. <laughs> because yes. being a psychopath really helps you in corporate America. Well, yeah, no feelings. Exactly. No feelings. I mean, there's the whole book, The Psychopath Test, about it, where he goes to, like, the guy who runs Sunbeam. And it's like, yeah, you don't have normal human emotions. But you're not a murderer because you weren't, you didn't grow up in, a, like, a physically abusive household. And you weren't molested as a kid. You were just ignored and psychologically abused. And you don't have normal human emotions. And that's why you're good at business. And the guy from Sunbeam is like, huh. And the guy's wife is like, yeah, there is something weird about my husband. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like you just, you don't care about people fundamentally. You have to be reminded that you people- You have to be reminded to care. Well, I mean, it's it's like that famous psychologist, well, not psychologist, experimental psychologist, whatever his job is, who was actually in the um, outfoxed episode of uh, Criminal Minds. Like the yeah. guy who his wife kept telling him over and over again that he doesn't have normal emotions. And he has to be told to remember to care about things. And yeah, because he's he's a psychopath. He doesn't well, have empathy. He doesn't have empathy. Yeah, well, as his wife said, when all of this stuff was coming down, because the researcher tested himself and said, yeah. oh, geez, I know. I guess I am. And then his wife said, yeah, what? And so what else is new? What have I been telling you? And again, if only they do that with Tara Lewis, it would make so much sense. Yeah. No, but they won't. They're, they're too cowardly to. All right. And that's the last. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. No, they got, hey, they got 10 more episodes. They can't, they do have time to do that with Tara Lewis. Yes. And you're starting to get little bits and pieces now. So, uh, you know. Uh, expect as, as it shoots, because it's like shooting, I think this month, the shooting starts this month. So <laughs> we're going to start getting like news stories yes. about it. We're going to get promotional stuff about it. So. Yeah, there's going to be episodes about criminal minds, actual criminal minds, starting well before December. It's quite exciting. Yep. All right. So uh, it's all very good. But for now, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us on at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We're going to see you here next week, same time, for something new. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.